So I was on, uh, I was on Twitter the other day. And uh, sometimes Twitter can be a black hole, right? You're just like looking down, you're like, I click on this and this and this. And if you don't know what Twitter is, ask someone who looks young near you, okay? Because, um, yeah, just ask them. And uh, on there, I follow a guy and sometimes he posts interesting stories or funny stories. And so one of the amazing things that he posted uh, was about a guy who got his wallet back after 70 years of losing it. So, there's no money in it, but he got it back. Um, his name's Eligo Ramos, and Ramos served in World War II in 1945, and he's going around Austria to different villages with his unit and freeing captives. So one night, uh, Ramos leaves his wallet at the farmhouse and moves on to the next village, and I guess he just thought, I'll never see it again. So on June 18th this year, he gets a letter in the mail. It's from this eye doctor in Salzburg, Austria, and says, uh, hey, I found your wallet. I'm going to send it to you. And so he got it back, and his family got the wallet, and there are all these precious pictures in there, and they're going to frame them. It's just an awesome story. This 91-year-old guy gets his wallet back from 70 years ago. I mean, you're saying, I've lost some things, and I'd love for someone, a magic elf or somebody to email them or to mail them back to me, right? We all have lost something. A famous philosopher in our time, he said, of all the things I've lost, my mind is the thing I miss the most, right? So that's said by Ozzy Osbourne, and uh, yeah, so you know he actually did lose his mind. If, if you've seen his reality television show, I'm pretty sure people only watch it so they can feel better about their own families to say, we're not as messed up as these people, so I can feel good today. And why Ozzy Osbourne's not getting his stuff back, there's some things that we lose. When we lose them, we just can't stop looking for them. So if you lose your keys, you're not going anywhere until you flipped over the couch and all the couch cushions to find it. For my mom, it was her kids. Now, I remember my brother and I, sometimes we'd go to a department store with my mom, and we'd think it was really funny to go and hide in between the racks of clothes. Remember they used to put the racks, and they were all round, and, and as a little kid, you could fit under there. And I remember my mom looking for us all over the place, trying to find us, and we thought it was hilarious until my mom found us, and we got disciplined, and then it wasn't hilarious. You know what, God is actually like a parent seeking out a child. And you know what, sometimes we see God and God's kind of up there and he's on his throne and he's looking down and he's looking over everyone and, you know, he's happy when people are doing things well. And then there's some tragic events that make God kind of shake his head. And then there's even times when, when people are kind of turning back to God and God's in heaven saying like, wow, that's awesome, you get to be part of my family. But I actually don't think that's an accurate picture of what God is like. Like some of that's true, but God is a lot less like Ramos waiting for his wallet and much more like my mom who's ferociously seeking out their children. See, here's what we're going to learn about God today is that God doesn't wait for the lost to come home, but rather he seeks to bring them home. So I want us to, to think of God as someone who's constantly on a search and rescue mission looking for people who are far from him, not someone who's sitting there saying, yeah, you can come if you'd like. He's out looking for us. And Jesus is going to tell us some stories this morning about who Jesus is and what he does, and we're going to find that in uh, 
Luke chapter 15. And it's really important for us to see who God is because who God is is really going to determine how we should live our lives. So Luke chapter 15, if you have your apps, you can turn there. If you brought your Bible, that's awesome. Uh, if, you, if you don't have any of those, you can just follow along with us on the screen. And before we read it, I'm going to pray for us this morning. God, thanks for another moment to be close to you and to know you. And God, I pray that we would uh, sense that you're here. Open up our hearts to hear from you. And uh, open up our minds to be willing to change. God, I pray that we would decrease so that you could increase in our lives and people would see you through us in your name. Amen. So let's get right into Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So Jesus is telling these stories to teach us what God is like. And what we're going to see is that this is God's love in action. So what do we learn this morning about God? The first thing we learn is that God seeks out the lost. So when you read these stories, you hear about a guy who had a uh, hundred sheep. And literally, I, this just came to me, he's counting his sheep. Right? He's not trying to fall asleep. He's literally just counting his sheep to make sure they're all there. And I bet that he counted and he got up to like 58, 59, 99. And then he's like, well, maybe I missed one, so let me count again. And so he counts again, and he realizes that there's a sheep that's not there. And so it's not like he's just looking out over the field and saying, oh, yeah, there's the sheep. Let me run and go get it. No, it's probably a hilly country, and so he probably has to have an arduous journey to go and look for the sheep and go over the hills, and he's wandering around. Now, sheep aren't the smartest animals. In fact, I think sheep are dumb. You can't teach them new tricks. They're really stubborn and they always think the grass is greener, so they're always wandering off. That's why they need to be kept in a pen. And so the shepherd is looking around, and finally he finds the sheep, and the sheep's probably too dumb to follow him back. So he has to put the sheep on his shoulders and go all the way home, but when he gets home, he's really excited, right? And he tells his friends, man, look, I found my one sheep. And they're like, good for you. He's like, let's have a party. And they're like, okay, let's have a party. And then we see a second picture of a woman who's searching for a lost coin. Now, the word for this coin is probably drachma, or it is drachma, and that's about a day's wage. And now, is either 
she didn't have a lot of money and she was looking around for it, or it was a coin that was part of a bridal headdress or a necklace. So she had this heirloom probably from her wedding and she lost a coin out of it and so she's searching everywhere. And don't think of searching the house like we would search the house, like flip over the couch and look under the cushions because honestly, they didn't have any windows in their houses. So she's going around her house trying to light all the candles, have a light everywhere and looking at every square inch of her floor to try to find this. And she's really thorough and, and then she finally gets the coin back and she's super excited and she also wants to have a party. And Jesus is telling us this is a picture of what God is like. That God is the one, he's not waiting for something to come back to him, he's searching. Right, like the sheep, the sheep wasn't coming back. And the coin, the coin definitely wasn't coming back. And so the person had to go out and find it and that's what God is like. And we hear this term lost and maybe that's a little confusing. But Jesus really equates the lost with a person who, who is away from God. And so kind of in the beginning of the scriptures, we see our first parents or the first people, Adam and Eve, were good with God. And they had a perfect relationship and then they broke it by disobeying. And now people from here on out are lost and are looking for God. And I actually really believe that our deepest desire of every person in this room is to be in the right relationship with God but not all of us are clear on, on what God or who God is. And so we're searching, but so is God. He's seeking after us. And I think the good news for us is that we're not the ones who actually find God. So hear me out. God is drawing every person on earth to himself through his Holy Spirit. So no matter what your theological persuasion is, God is the one who's at work drawing people to himself. So... Let's say you said, man, when I was 18, I finally found God. And I would say, sort of. Say, so he was actually out looking for you before you even knew it. Right? And even if you're not a follower of Jesus in here, you say, I don't know what I think about God yet. I'm not really sure. I would say God's seeking after you because you're here today. That he's working and he's asking you to come to himself One of the parts that, that always, whenever I think about this memory, it blows me away. When I was in high school, um, there was a time when I was kind of not wanting to go after God. And I was actually running in the opposite way, I would say. And I kept feeling like God was speaking to me and trying to tell me to come back. And I didn't understand. I said, God, why would you come after me when I'm running this way? And I really felt like it was because of his love that no matter... If you're faithless, God is still faithful. He's still coming after you. There's this comedian, his name's Michael Jr., and he's been on The Tonight Show and Comedy Central, and he's really funny. And uh, in his late 20s, he became a follower of Jesus. And I'm not going to tell any of his jokes because I'm not as funny as him. And I try to tell my wife the jokes, and she makes fun of me because I can't. Um, so she told me not to tell you a joke. Um, but anyways, so, so Michael Jr., he talks about how he tells people about Jesus. And so if he's in a room with some people or just with one or two, he'll say, uh, hey, did you, know, did you know God has a lot of names? And they'll be like, oh, okay. And he'll say, do you know one of the names is Jehovah? He said that means that, that God is Lord of all. And they start to get a little uneasy, and they're like, oh, okay. He said, did you know God has another name? It's something. And this is the part where people get confused. He said, because haven't you had that story where, where you did something really wrong or really dumb? 
And before you did it, you said, something told me not to. <laughs> right? But I did it anyways. And he said, that's something, that's actually God speaking to you. God's heart is to seek after us. Second Peter 3.9 says this, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And God's not waiting. But not everyone gets that. Not everyone sees God the same way, especially the religious people in this passage. See, if you're religious, if you're really concerned about rules and not so much about the relationship with God, here's what you do. Religious people ignore the lost. So let's read this setting and, and, and hear about Jesus telling this story again. So it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, in our day, if there was a religious teacher and he was teaching all these people, you would think that the people who love God, who are religious, would be the ones who are gathering around this teacher. Right in the passage before this, Jesus said, let him who have ears hear. So you'd think it'd be the religious people, but we actually have the opposite happening. We have tax collectors and sinners who are hanging out with Jesus. Let me tell you why they were. Because Pastor Joe talked about tax collectors last week, so I won't go into it that much. But basically they worked for the oppressive Roman government and they extorted money from people. And no one wants to hang out with them. The only people who want to hang out with a person like that are other people who are messed up and despicable and kind of on the lower rungs of society. And so none of the religious people, none of these Pharisees and teachers of the law want to hang out with these low lives. So they have no connection to anyone who knows anything about God or about, about religion. But this guy named Jesus is there and he actually eats with them and spends time with them. And so they're willing to listen and hang out with him. The religious people, on the other hand, though, they said, listen, we're going to be completely separate. We don't want to get their germs on us. We don't want anything about them to be like us. So we're not going to make a business deal with them. We're not going to let our kids hang out with their kids. We're going to be completely separate. And Jesus is kind of telling them, you're missing the point. And when you read this passage in the original language, first we see he says, you know, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and then one leaves and you, and you go out and get it. Or suppose one of you loses a coin. What he's really saying is, which one of you, if you had lost this, wouldn't go out and look for it? Like it's a rhetorical question. Like each of us, if we lost something as valuable as a sheep, would go and run after it. Each of us, if we lost something as valuable as a coin, would run out and go after it. And he's saying, obviously, if something's valuable, you run after it. But what the religious people are saying is, these people aren't valuable. And then Jesus says they're even more valuable in verse 7. It says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. And he, he was kind of using a, a phrase there because it's not like none of us in here don't need to repent. Right? All of us 
have messed up and, and don't get it right. But what he's really saying is that I'm more excited about a person turning to me and coming back to me than I am you religious people who already feel like you have it down. And on top of that, every time someone gives their life to Christ, like if someone's at Spring Valley and we say, do you want to come to Jesus? And they say yes, and they follow through and they make Jesus the leader of life. There's a party in heaven that's happening. How awesome is that? I hope there's parties in heaven happening all the time and it would be great to be a part of one. So Jesus is super excited when these religious people come to him or when these non-religious people come to him, but the religious people, they could take it or leave it. Right? Because when you get religious, that means that you put rules in front of your relationships. And so you kind of have a ledger and you think like, okay, as long as this good side outweighs the bad side, then I'm, I'm good with God. And you know what? Honestly, if you did a survey of all the world religions all around except Christianity, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find man trying to make their way up to God. If you follow these rules, if you make these sacrifices, if you do this, you know, you'll be in good graces. And yet Christianity turns that on its head because Christianity and the gospel of Jesus is actually about God seeking man. You know how we know that, that God's seeking is because he's not waiting. He actually came down from heaven in Jesus and Jesus died a sacrificial death so that the bridge that was broken for all of us who are lost can be made so that we can be found by God again. And yet, when you really think it's about you and God and you're really religious, you say, you know what, maybe, you know, because all the non-religious people are down here, maybe if you get yourself right and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, then maybe you can be like us or be with us and you can start to dress like us and talk like us and do the things that we do, then maybe you can join us. You know, William Booth, he uh, became a follower of Jesus when he was a late teenager and he saw all these homeless people in England on the streets and they needed Jesus and poor people and so he started just sharing the love of God with them. And he started taking them to his church and his church was kind of a, a more upper class church. And, and the more people he brought, the more uncomfortable the people in the church got. Until one day the deacons came to him, kind of the leadership of the church came to him and said, you know what, we think it's great that you're doing this and everything, but, but we really don't want these people in our church. Because kind of we have a reputation to uphold and they're kind of ruining that. And William Booth was appalled and he walked out of there and he started an organization called the Salvation Army because he knew that just because religious people don't think those people who need Jesus are valuable, God does. There's a missionary, C.T. Studd, and he said this quote that, that stayed with me. He said, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell but I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. See, it's not about how can we be comfortable. It's not about what's in it for me. It's, man, do we understand God's heart? And when you get religious and you think, man, it's about how good you are in God's eyes, you miss it. 
And so the question for us this morning is really this. If God's heart is passionate for the lost and he seeks after them, then what are we going to do? So here's the third point. That the found have a responsibility to seek out the lost. The found means, man, if you're a follower of Jesus and you know him and you serve him, that's your responsibility. We have a core value at Spring Valley. We like to say this, that found people find people. That found people find people. So if you've been found by God, then you have a responsibility to find others to help bring them closer to God. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he leaves earth and he gives them the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything he had commanded. So that's our call too, is to go and make disciples so we help people find Jesus and then we help them know what it means to follow after him. You know, being part of God's people doesn't give you some special privileges, right? Like there's some benefits to it. But if we look back all the way to see when God's people kind of started, we go back to a guy named Abraham. And, and Abraham, he was really old and, and he started worshiping the true God. And God came to him and said, hey, I, I want you to be my people. And he said, I want to make a, a covenant or an agreement with you that this is what we're going to do. And we can read part of that in, in Genesis 12, 3, that, that God's kind of ending the covenant and he ends with this. It says, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. You say, okay, that sounds good. And he says, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Did you catch that last part? He said, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So it's not, yeah, I raise my hand, I'm following you, give me my ticket to heaven, and uh, God says, hey, try not to screw this one up. Right? That would be, if you're a parent and you told that to your kid, you need to take some parenting classes, right? So God doesn't say, he doesn't say hey, here's your ticket to heaven, and uh, just try to be good. What he actually says is, now that you're part of my people, I want you to go out and be a blessing to others and help them come to me as well. There's an author, David Platt, and he, he said this quote, and it's really been impacting me. He said, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Because think about this, God saved you, but he saved you for a purpose if you're following after him. It's to bring others to him as well. And you know what? Honestly, we can sit in church every Sunday and we can come and we can say, man, guess what? Wasn't that awesome worship music? Maybe say, maybe that wasn't that good. And then you kind of leave church and you're judging the sermon. You're saying, well, that was good or I like that part or man, God spoke to me in this. But if that's all our Christianity is about, we miss it because the real point is that God's mission doesn't just happen on Sundays. Right? The point of Sundays is to say, now I'm equipped to go out and live God's mission Monday through Saturday and Sunday and the next week and the next week and the next week. So you don't just leave and say, man, I got my dose of God for the week. I'm good. No, the point is to go out and live out God's mission throughout the entire week. And so that's our purpose. 
And so how do we seek the lost? Man, seeking the lost is really about looking around and, and, and asking the question, who has God put in my life that doesn't know him yet? It might mean spending more time with that person or finding opportunities to hang out with that family or that coworker. It's going to cost a little bit from us. And yet for some reason, this seems like the most intimidating part of following Jesus. Like, like we don't actually believe the song that we sang this morning, that anything's possible when God's with us. Like, we don't believe that. And so we need to take them seriously that God is on mission, seeking out those who don't know him. And so I think there's some reasons why we don't do it, and I'll just go through them quickly. I think one of the first reasons we don't do it is because we say something like, I don't know enough. It's like, I could share about Jesus, but then what about the questions that people ask me? Like, what if I don't know the answers? And I'd say when you're sharing about Jesus, what you're really doing is saying, this God loves you, and then you're sharing about your experience with what he's done. And man, if people ask you a question you can't answer, it's okay. You can say, I don't know, but this is my experience with him. Another reason we don't is because we don't know how people are going to react. I think so many times in my life, I've said no for people before I've even talked to them. Right? Like I'm like, they're, they're probably not interested or they don't care. And yet we don't know that. We can't say no for people. You know, man, if I go to my neighbors and talk to them about Jesus, like my, not, not metaphorically, but my literal neighbors, and tell them about Jesus, I'm, I'm asking the question kind of like, what are they going to think of me? And I've been asking God to help me get over that because it doesn't matter because if I cared for them, I'd want them to know what the truth is. And I think the last reason, and maybe you haven't thought of this, but I've thought of this a lot, is that maybe we don't want to use people. Like, I, I've heard people talk about evangelism or sharing the good news, and they're like, yeah, you need to write these eight people down on a list and then pray and then go after them and tell them, and, and it's almost like you count the trophies on the wall, like, yep, I reached this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, and it turns into a pride issue. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for people and share the good news with them, but maybe we change the way we look at people would be helpful. Maybe you said, man, that's my neighbor, that's my coworker, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to love them like Jesus would love them. Like I'm not just going to become their friend so that they can get to heaven someday. I'm going to love them like Jesus would, and I'm going to spend time, and I'm going to invest in their life and invest in their family and actually care for them and pray about the things, and then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what any loving person would do, and I'm going to invite them into the family I'm part of. Because that's what you do when you're seeking out people who don't know Jesus. You're loving them and then you're inviting them into the family that you're a part of. And you're saying, I want you to be able to experience what I've experienced. I want you to know a loving and good father that I know. It's not, you really need to become like me because I'm good and I'm where it's at. It's actually, I want the best for you. So I want to invite you. Man, for some of us, we're like, you know what? If someone comes up to me, that's one thing, but I'm not going to do it. I'd say, you don't understand what God is like, because God's not sitting waiting for people. He's seeking them out. And honestly, eternity is at stake. Right, so I'm not trying to scare people into heaven. I'm not saying, man, you better believe in Jesus or you're going to hell. I don't think scaring people works well. I think it is true. I think people who don't 
know Jesus are going to hell, but I do think there's something about inviting them into the family of God. And so maybe none of us in here are going to win 100 people to Christ this year. Maybe we're not going to be able to invest in all those relationships and share with many people. But imagine if the 200 or 250 people in this room, if each of us said, man, I'm going to invest in this one person, or I'm going to share the love of Christ with these people, and everyone helped one person. Guess what? That's 250 people who come to Christ. And then the next year, let's say we all did that and those people did that. Right? That's 500 new people. And then 1,000 and then 2,000 and 4,000 and 6,000. And you can keep doing the math. But think about that. It, do you believe that God could use you to reach one, just one person? I had this question floating around my head. Like, who's going to be in heaven because of you? Like one day, who's going to be there because you got the chance to share about the love of Jesus? Rick Warren, he's a, he's a pastor, and, and uh, he was talking about this topic at one point. He said, what if you've been friends with someone for 20 years and you've never shared about Jesus with them? He said, what do you do then? Like, you can't come off as inauthentic. And he said, well, here's what you do. He said, you know, talk to the person and say, we've been good friends. And he said, but I haven't been as great of a friend. He said, because usually friends tell you about things that are really good in their life and want to help you. And he said, so I haven't really been a good friend. And he said, so I want to tell you about something in my life that's been helpful. Because listen, God's put people around us. He's put people in our lives who don't know him. And we want to be like God and seek them. Kathy Lee Gifford, maybe you know her, maybe you don't. She was on the Regis and Kathy, which turned into Regis and Kelly and turned into, you know, whoever she's with now. Um, but Kathy Lee Gifford, her, her husband was Frank Gifford, and he was an NFL football player, and he was a commentator and, and pretty famous, and he passed away recently. And so she got to do a tribute on TV to him. And man, it, it turns out that both of them were followers of Jesus, and, and I just want to quote a small portion of the video. She said, his world got smaller as his God got bigger. And he'd want you to know that, that he died in complete peace. He knew every sin he committed was forgiven. And he had the hope that he would be with the Lord and that one day we would be with him as well. And then she said, those of you who are hurting today or feel hopeless, it might be the answer for you. And in fact, I know it's the answer for you. Listening to her share about Jesus, share gospel, was actually almost awkward because it went on for so long and you were thinking, when are they going to cut this or when are they going to go to commercial because they couldn't possibly let this on TV. But they did and Kathy Lee Gifford took every opportunity she had to share with hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people through her husband's death because she knew that God's not waiting, that God's not up there saying, yeah, maybe if you get good enough you can come to me, that he's seeking out and bringing people home. And he's not just doing it in some ethereal way, like spiritual way that, man, he's drawing people and they're going to just come, that he uses you and I to do it. 
So this morning, if you put the action points up there wrong, I just want to encourage you to do a few things. Seek out the lost around you. And God really has put people in your life who need to know him. And guess what? It's not someone else is going to do it or I don't know enough. It's, God, would you use me? And it's going to take some courage and it's going to take stepping out and saying, yeah, I actually have to open my mouth. And that could be the hardest thing sometimes. But God does want to use each one of you here who know him and love him. The second thing I would say is, is pray for those who don't know him. I'm not blowing your mind here. These are simple things. But if you're not praying for people, then, then how's God going to work? He wants to be seeking you pray, and he'll show you the people. I mean, I, I use index cards when I pray because if I had my phone, I would just get distracted and be on Twitter or something. And so one of my index cards is people that I'm praying for who don't know Jesus. And I have the list that I'm praying for those, and I'm asking God to give me opportunities Man, I believe he's going to do that. So I challenge you today to pray for those people. And then the last thing I would say, if you are a follower of Jesus and you're in here, or you're not a follower of Jesus and you're in here, you don't know him yet, he's been seeking you. He's probably been seeking you for a long time. And today is the day you can say, yes, I'm willing to be found. I want that. It's just by saying a simple prayer. Saying sorry, thank you, and please. Sorry, God, that I've messed up my life and I've done things differently than you would have want. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Would you please forgive me and come into my life? And It's not like you say the prayer and then everything changes in your life. But if you say a prayer and you mean it, God comes into your life and changes you. And you can do that today. So before we close in prayer, I just want to take a minute and, uh, and ask, is there anyone here who would say, today is the day that I want to run to Jesus? Would you say, I'm ready to run to him? Let's take a minute and uh, I just want you to, to pray silently in your seats and, and uh, ask Jesus to show you who he's seeking and who you can help him to seek. So take a minute and I'll pray. God, I pray today as we uh, sit here and we just hear from your word that you would speak to us. I thank you that you are with us even when we don't think you are. Pray today that you would open up the hearts of those who don't know you. God, I pray we'd take your calling seriously on our lives. Help us today to uh, leave this place and, and not leave you here, but take you with us for the rest of our weeks. Open our eyes more to you, Jesus, in your name.
Amen. Hey, listen, you're dismissed this morning. Um, if you'd like to sit and reflect more, you can. So we'll just make this a place where it's a little bit quieter. So if you want to talk and hang out, you can do that out there. Thanks so much for coming this morning. We'll see you later.